Good evening, everyone. It's Tracy here with the Everybody Counts podcast. Time to talk more Bosch legacy. We are up to episode six of season one. Now, I know last time I said we were going to try to do six and seven together. There's just so much going on in six and so much to talk about. I think we better keep it at one one episode dedicated to number six. And I have some special guests with me tonight. I really appreciate them being here. We have Mike. You may know him as Bosch Trivia Guy, and he runs the Bosch Pit Group on Facebook, which is, I know, very popular with everyone. How's it going, Mike? Very well. And we have Valerie with us from Australia, and she's been on with me before. We are podcasting with three people on two different days. So it's just kind of, when I try to think about it, it's kind of fun. (laughs) So Mike and I are Friday, it's Friday for us, and it's already Saturday for Valerie in Australia. So we're all here at the same time, but not the same day. Mm, how does Future that work? is bright. Can I just say that? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so episode six, it is titled Chain of Authenticity. It's written by Tom Bernardo and Eric Overmeyer and directed by Sherat Raju. And we have an interview at the end of the podcast with Tom Bernardo. And I spoke with him a lot about this episode because again, it's so impactful, such great writing. Wanted to hear about his process writing with Eric and just peppered him with questions about the episode and talked about how meaningful it was to all the fans. So I look forward to that at the end of the podcast to hear from Tom Bernardo, who is one of the showrunners on Bosch Legacy and executive producers. All right, episode six. Uh, See if you guys agree with me. Kind of a two-parter, I think, kind of split in two halves. Did you think of it that way? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It did feel like two stories in one episode crammed in, what, 50 minutes, 45, 50 minutes? Yeah, no spoilers here because everyone presumably has watched the episode, but we finish up one storyline and then start some new ones. So let's start out with the first part. We're on the heels of Honey Chandler getting, let's let's see, what do we want to call it? She basically has Carl Rogers in the palm of her hand after they blew up the garage where they were stealing the gasoline just at the right time. And she was having a meeting about the civil suit and they were putting together their negotiating the payout. Well, she ended up getting a great payout because again, she had him in the palm of her hands and that's where we are. We, we open up the episode and she even gets a call from his attorney, Keating, who is still wanting some assurances about Carl, just certain assurances supposedly for, for his safety. But was Honey interested in helping Keating out there? No. <laughs> Not so much. Nope. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> He's on his own and he does make a visit to Carl in the safe house. So there's two, two guys that's, I guess, watching, securing the location he asked to go back and speak with Carl. So when the Keating first walks in the door, it's kind of funny because Rogers says something like along the lines of, I thought you were room service. And Keating's like, yeah, funny type of thing. But or I'm glad you didn't lose your sense of humor type. Yeah, of. yeah. And then they sit down, they're talking about not being late. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, first it was the bed bug situation that Carl Rogers is dealing with. And Keating mm-hmm. said, yeah, I'll mention it to him. So they sit down, they're having a conversation about not being late to get somewhere. And Keating has a vial of what looks like a little bit of powder. Now, when I first saw that scene, I'm like, what the heck is in the vial? Yeah. Obviously, it comes to fruition a few minutes down the road. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, knowing 
knowing now what I or knowing now what I didn't know then, you know, Keating was just on the phone with Money Chandler asking for all these assurances for Carl Rogers. Yet he goes in and hands him a vial of a, a sedative. Is that it what was, it was? Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, uh, he put it in the coffee and knocks out the two rookie apparently fed uh, federal agents, <laughs> and so he can get away to go where he needs to go and not be late for it. Right. Yeah. They keep talking about don't be late, be on time. And yeah, he asks uh, Keating, is, "Is this enough?" You know, and it and it sure enough, it was. It, those guys yeah. were knocked out completely. And when they came to get him to take him to the you know the courthouse, or they he was gone, absolutely mm-hmm. gone. So meanwhile, we have our. Ivanovich brothers, Alex and Lev, they're making their rounds trying to, to track Carl down. So at this point, he is safe from them. Uh, but not everyone is. Not everyone is. They stop at Jasmine's house and are very intimidating with her. It's, you know, it's very uncomfortable. They're just, you know, they're just brutal. Uh, they, they let her go. But it's just definitely an unsettling scene when they're getting up close in her face and you know, asking her where Carl is. And she says she absolutely doesn't know. So they, I think they start mentioning her family and stuff and how much she loves them. It's just, it's really uncomfortable specifically. I was, I was worried for her, but thankfully she comes out um, from that conversation unscathed, but they meet up with their dad who's come in town and they make another run together over to Keating's house. Dad's with them now. And that, that makes, you know, three instead of two. And they go visit Keating, the attorney and scares the crap out of him. I mean, it it really makes him jump and Keating's not long for this world. They, you know, of course ask about Carl, but he ends up like rolled up in a rug and thrown in the back of the trunk. You know, I guess they shot him. So there's a body. Meanwhile, back at Honey's office, I got to point out that Matthew, her assistant, I, I think he is an unsung hero because he's the one who tells her that that blueprint is for a shipping container. And he's actually taken the phone that was from Simon Wakefield. Wakefield, and, yep. Yeah, Simon. that, that, that uh, ended up face yeah, down in the pool. Yeah. Ooh. So yeah, Honey <coughs> salvaged the phone and, and, and Mo cleaned it up. So yeah. Matthew has been doing some good work going through different things on the phone and putting the pieces together. He's, he's come through several times in the season already. So maybe his, his role will grow. Who knows? But he's definitely good for the intel. So Bosch and Honey talk about the shipping containers, where they are. I think it's Wilmington and Long Beach. And they split up and they're going to go check them out. Bosch doesn't want her to go alone, but she she says she'll be fine. And, you know, Honey, she's... She's a little, I don't know, would you say she's a little unhinged at this yeah, point? Yeah, a little bit. I, I don't, I a don't. A little bit because, uh, yes, because obviously Carl Rogers has been in her mind, yeah. not only since, the, well, I can't really say the, the end of last season because she just woke up out of a coma, but throughout the whole season this year, you've seen her just, you know, have flashes of Carl Rogers and probably envisions even, you know, taking him out herself because how many times she's checked her purse for Seeing that, that her hand yeah. I'm not I'm not quite sure about her decision making, but uh, we'll we'll see how this plays out. So Bosch shows up at his uh, shipyard and he is getting some great use out of John Creighton's business card. He uses it again. Yeah. I actually really loved that scene mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's it's you know clearly not Harry Bosch the cop anymore. 
Yeah. You know, in, in the old days, he would have flashed his badge and asked to see records and whatever. Now he's undercover. He's got someone else's business card. So he's basically impersonating someone, which is probably illegal, oh. you know, making up stories, but, you know, pretty good story. Oh, you know, I just want to see if I can shortcut, you know, who, who hasn't in their work wanted to take a shortcut? Mm-hmm. if they could get away with it yeah and then finds oh no the the containers already been picked up and then finds more information oh it's one of those custom built ones that's got a freezer on one side and yeah. a fridge yeah on the other side so he even gets a tour of oh I want to see what this container looks yeah. like and yeah. then gets more intel oh okay there's the you know it's basically built to ship not regular goods maybe right. a person because yeah. you can live there pretty much yeah. so then it's like oh ding 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 okay but that one's gone so mm-hmm. what do we do maybe right. rogers is already gone i thought it was interesting how far he went with his impersonation you know saying yeah he's john crane because you know he could have just they didn't the container was already gone so he could have stopped there but he just kept you know that's harry he keeps pushing see what he can get out of it Mm. you know and like you said he ended up getting a tour to see Mm -hmm. how those things were made and so he he checks in with honey and she assumes that hers is gone as well but she wants to snoop around some more that's where i start to worry even more about her decision making (laughs) she's there alone and not that she can't you know take care of herself but it's not her place of business you know it's not like she's familiar with how all this stuff works or should I go into this building with the door open? But she does. And she gets herself into a whole can of worms. She goes in and she sees a shipping container similar to the one that Bosch got to look at. And uh, she goes in, there's space with like snacks. And in the back, there's lots of bottles of water. And like, like you said, obviously there are like living spaces there. And she's checking it all out. And she walks out and she sees a vehicle pull up. And then we have uh, Lev and Alex and their dad, who his name escapes me. Baba. He's only listed as Baba. Baba. Okay. Rushing right. for father, if I'm not mistaken. There so. you go. All right. And they bring Keating's body in and I guess they just put it in the back. I think they put it in the back. Yeah. And then one of them pulls the car away and comes back. And they all go inside and close the door in the container. Honey's hiding behind some crates and trying to reach out to Harry. She's getting really nervous about what's going on. Oh, yeah, because she just saw the Russians come in with the what looks like a dead body. A dead body. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the she doesn't know whose dead body is she doesn't. Yeah. in there at this point. So the uh, Russians have the dead body in the back of the container. Honey hiding behind crates. And that's the thing, too. It's like she keeps getting her, her you know, buzzing. You know, she she tries texting Harry. The phone, you know, the lights, the buzzing. Know. Yep. Yeah. It's like it's a good thing the ringtone wasn't on. Otherwise, it's like, hey, over here, bad guy. I know. Um, <laughs> So she uh, texts Terry, like, uh, you got to, and then she isn't able to finish because she hears yeah. another vehicle yeah. pulling up outside. And so Harry texts back, like, four question marks, like, what? You know? Mm. And so she sees <laughs> Carl Rogers coming into, or going up into the up into the container. And that's where I thought for sure she'd be like, hey, you know, <laughs> there's bad guys in there. You might want to leave. <laughs> if that was an Uber you just took, see if you can flag it down again. <laughs> she lets it play out. Carl Rogers goes inside, takes off his overshirt or whatever coat he's wearing. And then he looks very happy that he's he about looks, to get away. Yeah, 
He looks like Very he's happy. victorious, victorious. Like, I did it. Yeah, I, did like, it. I got away. Like, I got away. Yes. I, I, I'm about to get away from this place. And they it actually the worked. <laughs> yeah, it actually worked. The idiots. <laughs> he opens the back door where the Russian Ivanovich family is hiding. Mm-hmm. And that smile just, boom, goes away. And that's when Ivanovich's father says adios and shoots him in the head, I'm guessing, first. And then they each shoot him in the chest before leaving the container. Mm-hmm. So, and then Honey's still getting, you know, the buzzes from Harry, which, like I said, it's a good thing the ringtone was or not. <laughs> yeah, it's unnerving. Yeah, for sure. So she sees the Russians leave, and then she opens up the container and sees Carl Rogers laying dead on the floor of the container, bleeding out. And I had to shed a tear for him. Actually, I didn't, but. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say, when I watched that, I was like, she's opening, she's touching things. I just kept yes. she's touching things. Why is she uh-huh. leaving her fingerprints everywhere? <laughs> Right. That was actually right. going to be one of my questions for you two guys, because it's like, <laughs> it's not just the container. It was at Simon Wakefield's house, too. She's she's getting the pull for the right. uh, the skimmy, the skimmy thing and take out a phone. I mean, that's removal yeah. of evidence from mm-hmm. the scene of a crime. He's yeah. touching the container, the opening, the door. It's like you think that their fingerprints are gonna, aren't going to turn up in a homicide investigation. And if it if it does, will that come to haunt her later down the road? You know, right? You, you know, she <laughs> needs to to read more crime novels. <laughs> <laughs> listen to some true crime podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Hey, or listen know. to this podcast. <laughs> there you go. We have some we advice for you. Her some some advice. Yeah, tips for honey. <laughs> interestingly i could see her carrying like gloves in her bag like some leather driving gloves or something so it wouldn't like it would have worked if she had pulled those out and put them all like it would seem it would have seemed within character to me yeah Uh, like do that next time do that next time yeah she's touching everything i just can't be how is she getting away with this she's touching everything what do you think about her going in there and taking a look? Did she was that closure for her? Did she have to see it? Was it I think morbid I think so. Interest? Yeah. I think okay. it was closure seeing seeing him dead. I mean, obviously she didn't take a pulse, so she couldn't verify, but with all the blood coming out of the body is pretty uh, mm-hmm. pretty sure he's a DOA, you know, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not much chance of surviving that one. There were four there shots, a, like they were, as so. they would yeah. say, because I've watched a lot of crime shows and listened to true crime podcasts, they were kill shots. Yeah. Head yeah. and Absolutely. chest. One that had three <laughs> in the chest, you know. <laughs> yeah. all, or if I can continue on a little bit too with the, Please, uh, the go ahead. that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honey Chandler and Bosch sitting in their backyard having a drink. And, you know, they have this unsaid but said conversation with like you know uh, stays between us you know without saying you know type of thing and especially maddie you know goes without saying type of thing so yeah it was kind of a kind of a toast like you said it was like a two-part you know one episode but it felt like it was two parts this is closure on the first half of that episode yeah, yeah. and i thought it was interesting how they had a conversation without saying a whole lot you know it was just a lot of mm-hmm. you know unspoken we i get it you know they didn't have to say that many words to get across to each other how they were feeling and what their plan was at this point but that i found that scene on the one hand satisfying because it's closed that chapter and honey can in a way sleep well at night knowing that carl rogers is gone but then knowing that she's not going to sleep well at night because she's practically witnessed a murder 
Mm-hmm. I mean, she didn't see the shooting, but she heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that the two of them just sat there having a drink, it's like how normal people would celebrate, mm-hmm. you know, the end of a job, mm-hmm. but a regular job, not yeah. someone being dead. Right. And they were just, you know, so calm about it. And, yeah, he's gone. You know, he, he could have been in Hanoi. And, you know, but mm-hmm. now we know his dead body is going to Hanoi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and if and the Russian would have caught her, she'd be joining him in Hanoi. Yeah. Hanoi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that was the other thing too. She asked where uh, she asked Bosch where they, where he thought the the Russians were, and he said they most likely caught a red eye back to Russia. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, job done. Another thing I yeah. liked about that scene, which again, well, kind of to your point a little bit, Valerie, it, it actually made me very uncomfortable. I'm like, oh my gosh, all this just happened, and now y'all are just going to brush it under the rug. How can you live, yeah. you know, with yourselves and that, you know, it's just mm-hmm. how can you carry that around with you? But mm. the part that I did like was it, to me, it really cemented their closeness, the closeness of their relationship without any romantic undertones whatsoever. I mean, I've never thought that's where they were going with this and mm. didn't want them to go there with this, but they really, the way they are, you know, communicating and talking and it just, I found it really impressive that, that they were able to convey that. Like, I really felt like these, these two are tight. They are really tight. They're almost like family. They share a a secret now that they will Mm -hmm. take to their graves. And Maddie will never know. Mm -hmm. Nobody will ever know. And Honey, even when she goes back to work the next day and she's like, oh, Carl Rogers is in the wind. He's he's left the country, Mm -hmm. I think. Even though deep down, even though deep down, she knows he he's left the country, but he's 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 left the world. He's left the world. (laughs) He's left this place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So let's. uh, We've asked each other some questions. We we like to to do that at the end of an episode. But like we said, this is kind of like ending one big part of an episode. So I think it's a good time to uh, do some of our segments. Did either of you have any other questions than the ones we've just naturally brought up? Oh, I got one. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, do you think the Russians are actually going back to Russia or do you think, because I know that, uh, was it Alex picked up Lev from the airport, their father came in after uh-huh. the fact. Do you think all three of them took off now that they know that there isn't going to be any money coming back to them? Or do you think one of them or all of them, I don't think all of them would stick around. I'm pretty sure their father would have gone back, but uh-huh. You think I one think or two of them I, might have stuck around? I think they've gone to get some chili dogs <laughs> on the way, like the real American food. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> on their way. Original, on their original way to Tommies. Be able- original Tommies. <laughs> so Valerie <laughs> agrees that they're leaving the country, but they're having to get the, the food first. The, the, the get the food yeah. first and then leave. Yeah. I, you know, I'm just going to trust Harry's intuition that he thinks they're headed out. I can't think of another reason that they would would stay. Yeah, I mean, part of their sorry, their their business is gone. The the pipeline, the oil pipe is blown up. I mean, they might have other business. I don't know around, mm-hmm. but that was, from my understanding their main business in in the US and that's gone and Carl Rogers is dealt with so there's nothing there if they stayed around they would most likely risk getting arrested because mm-hmm. they would get traced back so yeah so maybe I agree that they're gone because I just want them to be gone you know, it's wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah. well, the other thing too is that uh, Bosch did ask that uh, detective he met up with at the bar to keep an eye out open for him yeah 
Yeah. So maybe they maybe they can sense the heat a little bit and say, no, mm-hmm. our, that, like Valerie said, our job's done. Let's get out of town. So mm-hmm. good point. Good point. All right. Well, do you have your person of interest selected for this part of the episode? And Ooh, you may have just, yeah, you may have just picked one for the whole episode, but let's try to do one for each what I'm calling half of the episode. I'll go ahead first. Yeah, you go so, first. And I don't remember his name. He, he probably shared his name. But the guy that was working in the shipping container office, I believe he was the, he mentioned to Harry that it was one of those converted type containers. So I, I, I point him out because by saying that, you know, got the wheels turning with Harry, he went along with wanting to see one, and then he was able to give that information to Honey. And I don't know, I wonder, part of me wonders if she would have left the shipyard where she was if he hadn't talked about that. Because, you know, kind of raised some more interest, like, oh, this is, you know, a living space, people trying to leave. I don't know. I just wonder if that discussion prompted her maybe to hang around a little longer which then, of course, I don't really want to say allowed her to see all of that <laughs> or forced her to see all of that. But I, I just wonder if that little, if, if the guy hadn't mentioned it, would Harry have just dropped the conversation there and called and said, yeah, it's a dead end. And then she might have thought, yeah, I don't think I mind here either and left. Interesting. <laughs> Who knows? Nice. I would pick <laughs> Katie, the dodgy lawyer, because mm-hmm. <laughs> he was pretending to play both sides obviously like when when he rang honey he was mm-hmm. pretending like they were still trying to you know make Go a through deal, with the deal. And, yeah. and yeah you know and then but knowing that in the next 30 seconds he's going to hand over that vial of sedative and he's got this whole other plan mm-hmm. with carl and he probably was the one who made all the arrangements so i'm not sure if we actually got through because who whose phone was it was it wakefield's phone that Wake- they found all the plans mm-hmm. on but they i mean they they all know each other they all work right. together yeah. so yeah kading was the the dodgy lawyer who was playing both sides and thought he was doing such a great job pretending mm-hmm. to be helping out honey and sort of helping out carl by making a deal you know to keep him alive but secretly you know they had these other plan mm-hmm. yeah oh, the dodgy lawyers <laughs> <laughs> well that's a good one that's some good points all right mike who are you gonna say i'm gonna go back to what you were talking about with uh before with matthew being being uh, boots on the ground so to speak for honey chandler he found the mm-hmm. tracking number he figured out it was a shipping container he mm-hmm. downloaded the app he and put in put in the tracking number knew that there was two containers you know waiting so i think the person of interest is matthew for the first half that's a really good choice. It's a really good. Thank choice. you. I like it. I would like to see his role grow. We've seen him involved with the Jeffrey Herstat trial. He gathered medical information and so forth. I mean, he's been around. He's been very helpful, like he said. So it'd be fun to see something grow with his role. All right. Well, I'm going to give you this opportunity, Mike. If you want to do trivia specific to this half, if you want to wait, that's fine. Mm. You just want to throw one at us just for the heck of it. Yeah, I'll throw one out for the first half since I think I got questions for each half, actually. So I wrote down a few because I didn't know who was all joining us. So I wrote down some Pete type questions Mm -hmm. because I didn't know Pete was going to be in with us today. (laughs) 
So, okay, so when the... Please Albano don't give me any Pete-type questions. <laughs> no, this, one, this one's not a Pete question. It's not a, it's not a license plate. Well, this one's not a license plate. <laughs> so when the Ivanovich brothers visit Jasmine, where do her parents live? Oh, that's a good one. I don't remember. I'm going to say... remember the parents' names? <laughs> Frank? Nope. Nope. Mary? Nope. You're going to just throw out all these names. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say Wisconsin. Was there a Joan somewhere? <laughs> Close. It's uh, Joe and then Diane. Joe. Are the parents' names. <clears throat> you want to throw out some random location? I was going to say Wisconsin. Can nope. Have you? <laughs> Valerie, any guesses? No idea. Okay, I think I looked up where it was in relation. It is in California, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. I did do some research. Because I like researching when I write questions out, but it's Dana Point. Dana, Dana Point. Dana where, Point. Yep, okay. Dana Point is where Jasmine's parents live. Okay. Good. See, it's amazing how you can totally remember the conversation and like see her response and see them yeah. asking. Mm-hmm. But I yeah, can't I remember, remember the names. bit where they were naming all the names, the family members, but can't I can remember. I remember, you, I remember you talking about it earlier. I remember you talking about it earlier. I'm like, please don't say the name of the city or whatever. Like, I wrote it down for trivia. I don't want it spoiled. No, no worries there. I did not remember the name. Actually, do it. Can I go back a, a few episodes? You want me to wait on that until the end too? To um, uh, I to posted. Tri- I emailed you guys trivia questions a couple episodes back that you guys did for episode three. Mm-hmm. You want me to pay, play that off now? Because you got one of the questions right, but uh, okay. you're, sure. you're not winning a car. If Jay says that you're winning a car, he he should be the one that <laughs> supplies the uh, free car for the uh, giveaway. Yes. There, yeah. sure. Go ahead. So, okay, the first question that I had posted was, "What was Harry Bosch's?" phone number oh yeah i did not know that and if i can find the correct <laughs> note because i just have okay because it's dial. not the first time it's been brought up him it's also written. he's on speed dial i don't need to record the number he's just in there as harry so I, why would well, i know technically the number? technically you could speed dial this number it is an actual official number yeah. like i like mm-hmm. i talked about in yeah, the email yeah. mm-hmm. he also wrote it on weights his arm back in season one yeah. So it's uh, 323-244-5631. And it's an actual working phone number that you call, that you can call, and then you'll hear a voicemail. It's not, unfortunately, Titus saying, you know, you've reached Harry Bosch or <laughs> Harry Investigations or not. It's like a female, like, standard, you've reached this number, you know, please leave a message at the tone, you know, oh, but it yeah. is an actual real number. I just wish that either Henrik or Michael Conley or Titus would kind of come together and say, Hey, I should do the voicemail considering it's an actual number, but oh well. So that's the like real it. phone number of Harry <laughs> Bosch. Feel free okay. to call it anytime you need some help. <laughs> <laughs> Leave a message if you need some help. Right, part two, right, of the episode six. Well, I'd I, I never tried to leave a message. I don't know if it does accept messages, but it's just the, the you know, ambiance of it. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> oh, yeah. Su- I'm surprised so I can it doesn't reach out come... and call Harry Bosch anytime I want. I'm surprised it doesn't come up as the mailbox you are trying to reach is full. <laughs> right, right. Too many people have tried this number. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, yes. Let's move on to what we're calling part two of this episode. A lot of stuff going on. And we, we, we already mentioned that Marty and Honey have a conversation back at the, the law office that he assumes they're dead. And she just go, goes along with it. At some point, Bosch and Honey begin talking or get back to talking about Dr. Basu's murder. 
and that's still unsolved. And they, you know, talk about how frustrated Gustafson is that they embarrassed him and basically let his client go. And he says there's some big injustice going on that this criminal, you know, murderers got away free. But of course, they're convinced it was not Jeffrey Herstatt and that there's a killer at large. And Harry wants to do something about it. And he wants to see more information about the case, but he can't do that. It's not employed by Honey. So uh, she hires him for a dollar and that way he can start working on the case. Do you, do you like his salary? You, you know, I was thinking he's never going to pay off fixing up his house if he's working, you know, for free. Yeah. For Gulliver's daughter and, you know, friends. And if he only takes a dollar. <laughs> yeah. It's from, like, from honey. Yeah. <laughs> You can't even buy gas for that price, right? It's just so funny. His <laughs> no, no, it is no. <laughs> his uh, his pride, you know, it's just so funny. No, I'm not going to work for you, <laughs> you know. But he'll take the dollar to make it official, so he can start working on it. We've got some stuff going on with the boots at Hollywood. They're doing a qualifying race. And I don't know if it's just. It may not just be Hollywood. We see some of the Hollywood boots, but it it may be like the whole that class from the academy or something but they're doing some type of qualifying running race for some relay to go to las vegas i think to vegas yeah. yeah like a, a relay run it was yeah part ba- of a relay race from was it bakersfield to something vegas? Ba- yeah baker something baker to vegas something like that yeah be good trivia good trivia <laughs> but maddie and Paulina, they're talking and, uh, you know, Paulina is not real excited about doing the race, but, you know, they got to go ahead and do their part. And yeah. Officer Perez, who I like to call Rico Suave, he is sort of in charge of the whole race, the qualifying portion. So they head off, they run. When they get back, Maddie doesn't quite make the time. He suggests maybe she should be an alternate and she's, you know, we'll think about it. Paulina does not make it in time and she's just glad it's over and, want something <laughs> cool to drink so we get a little bit of they, they talk i think they talk about going out that evening paulina and maddie or sometime that weekend you know they're obviously becoming friends yep and uh, more than just co-workers so I, I i would imagine you build quite a bond with the people you go through the academy with and they both seem like nice gals all right in another scene we see harry checking the mail and he gets a very, I wouldn't call it suspicious because it's very plain, just a plain package with no information. So maybe that makes it a little suspicious. Yeah. So in amongst his regular mail and junk mail, he gets this package. He opens it up and it's a handwritten will, last will and testament of Whitney Vance. Mm -hmm. And the pen that was used to write, well, we assume it's the same pen that was used mm-hmm. to write it, but he mm-hmm. recognized the pen because there was a whole explanation of, oh, my father or grandfather or whoever gave me this pen. So it's been in the family and it's gold and all that sort of thing. And it appointed, he had appointed Harry as the executor of his will. And so he then takes it to Honey to mm-hmm. show it to her because obviously he knows there's billions of dollars at stake and mm-hmm. there would be other people who would want to challenge that will. Mm-hmm. So he goes to Honey for advice as to whether it's valid, what to do with it. And yeah, and so they agree that it the, the original needs to be kept 
Safe. Very well kept. <laughs> yeah. Yes, as safe as possible. So he was going to make copies and decoys and throw them into places where the the other people, the Creightons, the mm-hmm. likes of Creighton yeah. might look. So in case they do steal it, then the original would still be safe. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. They talk about, they call it the chain of authenticity, which again is the name of the episode. Yeah. And all the things that need to be verified, like the ink and the pen and yeah. so forth. And, you know, so yes, absolutely. They need, they need to safeguard that original copy. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a big surprise. No, no one, uh, you know, they didn't see that coming in the mail. Then we move on to a much more stressful situation. Paulina and her partner are in the car driving. They see someone, I think, roll a stop sign. Is that what he did? Some type of traffic oh, yes. violation. Yes. Yeah, the so, start sign. so they're gonna pull him over and uh, her partner did anybody know his name i wrote it down hold on officer scott templin scott templin this way you cannot use that for trivia so see how i'm exactly. calling them out <laughs> <laughs> i've got a system going here so yes so officer templin goes up to the car he kind of checks things out and puts up the code for that you know like everything's okay that she can come on forward paulina and she comes forward you know with her gun drawn telling him to get out of the vehicle and that's when she is shot and it's, I remember my son watching and gasping, you know, like I, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I did so I'm, not sure I, I'm sure I gasped the first time I saw it as well. And it was just a, a brutal shot, like to her neck, right? Kind of, yep. where we were seeing all neck the Neck and chest area. It just happened so, so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Given the code four, and then she walks up, and all of a sudden the gun just pops out of nowhere. Right. And after when that happens, I'm like, shit, because I mean, I know how close her and Maddie are starting to get. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so that's when we start seeing everyone respond. And if you haven't listened to our interview with Tim Marsha and Mitzi Roberts, the um, law enforcement consultants on the show and for Boss throughout the years and with the books, they they talk about how they heard from actual law enforcement officers about this scene, about just how powerful it was and how real it was. So just definitely check the interview out because I think they have a lot of great information to share. But just know from what they said, that was very authentic, that, that type of response. We see everyone leaving the station, grabbing their gear. Maddie's ready to go and catch a ride because her partner has Vasquez has, yeah, has gone, <laughs> gone off already. And so she can catch a ride with someone else. But it is Lieutenant Thorne who pulls her back and asks her to to stay but my so, question for that scene was do you mm-hmm. think thorn stopped her because she's a boot from trying to catch your eye because there was still like three or four officers you see running out the door after thorn tells her to stay behind and go talk to mankowitz about a uh, assignment you know i didn't really think of it that way i kind of gave him a pass i, mean, I usually call him lieutenant thorn in my side but yeah. I, I i gave him a pass on that because i i feel like in that situation he was really doing trying to do the right thing like he you know he might play games with stuff that doesn't really matter or make comments but this really matters and i think when it comes to it i think he's a decent guy so i i gave him a pass on that i don't know what do you think valerie yeah i i think so too it's um I mean, you you can't have everybody run off at the same time. Someone does have to stay back and, you know, help out with other things. And Mm -hmm. there are other crimes around. So kind of everybody 
you know, out at the same time. But, yeah, I don't think he was particularly picking on her. I think it was more she happens to be running alongside him as they were running out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was just the, the timing. But yeah. that's, that's definitely an interesting question. Well, because it was the way he phrased it. It's like too many officers on the scene. But yet, like I said, like three or four, you see three or four other yeah. officers charging from mm-hmm. the door. After Maddie turns around and runs yeah. off the other way. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, definitely a fair question. So uh, when all this is going down, Bosch is leaving the bank where he has put one of the copies, I guess, in a safe mm-hmm. deposit box. And he's back in the car and he hears the announcement on the radio. And of course he panics, you know, and hears that it's a female officer. I think they, they say. Yeah, a rookie officer. Female rookie. Yeah. Yeah. Rookie yeah. patrol officer. Yeah. 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 So. Obviously, he's terrified, and he gives uh, Maddie a call. Thank goodness she answered. I mean, I mean, we knew she was okay, but for his yeah. sake, thank goodness she I was, answered. <laughs> I was really worried that she was going to be too busy with whatever she was yeah. being assigned to do, and she would not hear the phone or, mm-hmm. or whatever. But in that scene when, when Paulina was shot and Maddie figured out who it was, my first reaction was actually because I think that's what I would do I would just call my mother or you know whatever and say it's okay if you hear this on the news I'm safe yeah and and I was hoping that she would just immediately call or text her dad and say I'm safe before Mm -hmm. he finds out that you know someone's been shot but yeah. uh, but I'm glad, yeah, like you said, I'm so glad that he called and she picked up straight away because oh. I thought, oh, no, he's going to go off his oh, yeah. head and, and just go, oh, my God. Well, and maybe, I mean, that's, I, you think that she, you know, that was a possibility that she would have done that, but maybe she's distracted too because by this time, Mank has asked her mm. about making the notification to Paulina's parents to go into her house. And so maybe she's, you know, thinking through that or yeah. something when, but when he calls because he, when he calls he makes sure you know that she's okay and you can see the relief immediately on his face and then she tells him that she's supposed to assist with the notification and you know yeah. what do I say and who wants to talk about this really emotional flashback go ahead he flashed back to when he told mm-hmm. Maddie about her mother's death and I started to want to cry again sure. was, oh yeah. my god and all the way back to season four. Oh yeah it you was started so to want to cry i actually cried oh, did you? <laughs> yeah was, I, I did get scene. very emotional yeah oh it was so emotional because it's like i was watching the episode first with my son 12 years old and i asked him if he knew what the flashback scene was because he hasn't seen every season because there's some certain scenes you can't see like season two and I asked him if he knew what the flashback scene was. He's like, no. And I'm like, that's when, that's when, that's, you know, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even choke <laughs> out the words. That's when yeah. Harry told oh. Maddie about her mom being killed. Mm-hmm. And then I'm watching it later on that night because it was such a powerful episode. And my wife was in the recliner and, and I asked her if, because she kind of half watches sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do you know what that scene record? And it was the same thing. I couldn't choke out the, Get the words. words. Yeah. It's yeah. like without tearing up. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like, this is how great the, not only the, the writing's been throughout the whole entire series, but also the acting as well. Mm-hmm. But it makes you care about every single character that's mm-hmm. in this show. Yeah. Just that you imagery know. was so powerful. Yeah. You know, him, him having that flashback, you're just like, you're, you're 
you know, your heart you know, just goes up in your throat. And you oh, just, absolutely, you know, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't even choke out the words. <laughs> and I, I think, I think his advice was, you know, the the words will come. You know, you'll the words will come to you. Yep. Yeah, you know. And he had, and then you'll when find, when you'll find the words, you'll find the words. You'll find the words. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when they hung up the phone, and oh. he was just. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank God it wasn't my daughter. And, yeah, know. and he he does he does you know shed yeah. tears, and shed it's just tear. so yeah. real. He's such a great actor. I mean, everybody yeah. knows, everybody loves him. You know, know we love him, but you know, I mean, I don't know where actors go, you know, to get to those places, you know. But mm, yep. um, I know he has children and um, has been through tragedies you know, in his life. And I, so I don't know the process, but it was just so real. So, so well, I think it was also with that, with that scene after he hangs up, it was also the emotion of rem remembering when he had to tell. Right. Right. It's like probably a, remembering how Eleanor got shot and killed right in front of him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, it was probably all those emotionals. Cause you see, it's like, you know, he's like, okay, good. She's hit. She's safe. She's healthy. Okay. Yeah. You know? yeah he, <laughs> He calls yeah. her wanting to make sure she's okay and he gets that information but yeah. he does he's not counting on her saying she has to make the notification he doesn't know that yeah. that memory is going to come back into his head and going to process that too it's you know, like a double whammy so yeah he's obviously dealing with that but as he is he spies another person following him and he's just had it he's had mm -hmm. it with these jokers following him and so he drives over to Creighton's house and confronts him. You might want to talk about that. We kind of have a threat. We kind of have an offer from Creighton. Slash, yeah, offer slash threat, yeah. Yeah, which so, way is yeah, it going to go, you know? I, I know, I, I that's why I, I love the books. I love how they make these little changes, but mm -hmm. I really would have loved to have seen this played out like it did in the book. Mm -hmm. where Bosch arrests Creighton right in mm. the San Fernando PD <laughs> lobby. Obviously, yeah. Bosch doesn't have a badge in this season. He's a private investigator. I get it, but I would have loved to have seen him arrest Creighton yeah. <laughs> in, in Bosch legacy, obviously. But yeah. Um, yeah, so Creighton basically says that they reward people who do the right thing or, you know, who play the game. Yeah. Play the game. Yeah. Play the game type of thing. Yep. I find that whole Creighton-Harry dynamic interesting because Creighton used to be a cop, right? Uh, at least that was a, in the yeah. book. I, I yeah. can't yeah. remember. Yeah. It was like a captain Definitely or chief. chief. He was a yeah. command. Yeah. command somewhere. And yeah. he, he knows of Harry by his reputation. So he should know that Harry is not someone who would, you yeah. know, a accept a bribe and mm -hmm. be stand you know stand back and take any threats right. you know so right. so i'm like you know who you're talking to right that's yeah. when yeah. i was watching that scene yeah <laughs> but then Probably. you know his whole response is well you're not a cop you don't have a badge anymore so right. he clearly thinks just because someone doesn't have a badge anymore maybe that's because for himself Mm -hmm. Creighton doesn't have a badge anymore and he's clearly open to all sorts of bribery and temptations or whatever I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt that when mm -hmm. he was a cop that he was an honest cop but clearly once he left and joined the private sector because he's you know the CEO of this company dressed in nice suits lives in a nice house 
Yeah, his priorities <laughs> yeah, have changed. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, maybe Harry will be like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yep. They no. got the wrong guy. <laughs> no, it was, it was very antagonistic and didn't really get anywhere, but, but Harry, you know, said his piece. He made it clear. He doesn't want anyone else following him, that he's had enough of that then probably around that time we see maddie going with a detective an rhd detective i think making the notification to paulina's house and i think she does a pretty good job you guys mm. yeah. yeah i i was i was so happy that she finally just came out and said she's yeah. alive because yeah. that's really all the parent wants to, wants know, to know when mm-hmm. when the police come knocking on the door and say there has been an incident you want that to be quickly followed up with she's alive yeah yeah <laughs> you know because what's all this you know so clearly Dorsey wasn't finding the right words right because yeah. the mother is like just waiting just tell me just yeah. tell me is yeah. she okay <laughs> yeah. maybe it's because Dorsey's used to talking to non- police officers families delivering this type of news where i i don't know because that was one of the questions i had too was do you think some part of me thinks that maddie kind of jumped in a little too early with that but Uh i do see valerie's point where you know you want that out right away she is alive Mm, but i i think she just said she's alive paulina's alive but Uh Yeah. And I mean, I don't even know, are they allowed to say that? Because maybe the last they heard she was, and then if she wasn't, you know, maybe they're supposed to keep it really um, even keeled. (laughs) Yeah. Or just not give any information until the person can get the information themselves. I I don't know if there's any rules there. Of course, he didn't really yell at her. He didn't didn't reprimand her. He just kind of looked at the door, you know, shut the door for the mom who's just rushing out the house, not caying about Mm -hmm. the door being open and unlocked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it kind of highlights, and, and if it is allowed, and it is, an, I mean, I, 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 the mom certainly appreciated it. I think that sh- that's shows that side of Maddie where it's not just a job. She carries it that extra step a little further. There is, she is emotional about it and, and is, you know, thinking what the other person might be thinking. She, she has sensitivity. She definitely has sensitivity and empathy. Seems like empathy. Yeah. And, and, yeah, it seems like this is a case where maybe that that type of characteristic was appropriate and that, you know, she played that out. Um, you know, like I said, the mom certainly was relieved to hear that. And then her next step was get me to her now. Yeah. So so I, I guess it kind of gave me a little bit of hope or idea that Maddie will eventually be able to find this her space in being a patrol officer. You know, there are, you know, the, the chain of command and boundaries, you know, how far her role goes and then it goes on to a detective and, but she wants to give a little bit more and to feel a little bit more. So it just kind of gave me some thought that she's going to find her way. She's going to find her way to be that person, to be that sensitive, empathetic person and still follow the, you know, the rules of the job. So then we get a night scene. Uh, Maddie comes to Bosch's office. It's the first time they've actually seen each other since the uh, Paulina's shooting. And of course, there's a big hug and they go inside and Maddie wants to know what it felt like for him to be shot. And they have conversations. We'll get into that, but they also have conversations about Maddie wonders if Paulina will come back to the job. Will she stay on the job? And then Harry wonders if Maddie would stay on the job. And I believe Maddie says she would. She still would. Mm -hmm. But she's very curious. How did that feel? How does it feel to be shot? And he doesn't want to talk about it, but she pushes and he does start telling the story of being in the tunnels, the story of the Black Echo, the first book. And of course they made in the, in the book and in the TV show, they made the movie 
and there's a movie poster, yep. you know, and that's how he was able to afford the house and so forth. But uh, talk about getting the words out. Here's another really emotional story that, I you know, that she that shares. Scene. Yeah, I mean, the pacing was perfect. You know, it wasn't, didn't go through it quickly, didn't go too fast, didn't go too slow. And the, just the way that, and that, I mean, definitely goes to their portrayal, but, you know, definitely kudos to Eric Overmeyer and Tom Bernardo with, with writing that piece. It was just timed perfectly. I, I love that because throughout the original series, they sort of skirted around how there was the movie made about his life and well, that there was a particular crime, but mm-hmm. um, the poster of the Black Echo, but they never really talked specifics. And for anyone who's read the Black Echo, you'll know that that how Harry described the scene in the tunnel and how dark it was and, and the bad guys that got shot and how he thought he was going to get it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, he heard the pop pop and then, but, and he thought he was dead, but then he opened his eyes and he was still alive. And it was Eleanor mm-hmm. who had saved him. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love that scene. I loved it in the book. I loved the way Harry told it. I'm a little bit surprised that Maddie never made the connection mm-hmm. that, I was thinking that. that I'm assuming she's seen the movie, right? <laughs> you know, but um maybe but remember she that hasn't. He said they messed it all up though yeah yeah that's true so maybe maybe she maybe eleanor didn't sign off on the rights to use her name and character yeah, in the that, movie Who that's knows? true but, but that's no that is true. a good question though that is I, yeah I kind of, like how had he kept it from her for so long that you know, yeah mom that, saved that, his life yeah but you know because i know i i used to when i was little i used to be fascinated by stories of how my parents met and mm-hmm. when they went on dates and stuff. And I know Harry talked a little bit about it every now and then, especially after Eleanor died to, you know, share memories of, of Eleanor. But, yeah, that scene, just the way he described it and when when Maddie realised, oh, my God, it was, you know, my mother who saved your life. And, you know, they fell in love and, and all of that. And then when she walks over to the window and she's thinking and then she just says, you know, I miss your view. And Harry knows she's not talking about the view. It's everything else, you know, about mm-hmm. their, their past and, and what they've had. And it's like, yeah, I miss her too. And it's, oh, it's all about Eleanor. Yeah. <laughs> so, so many, you know, callbacks to season four and mm-hmm. and the whole their their relationship as well oh I just I love that oh, scene yeah it, it gets you it gets you and it's interesting that uh you know we brought up why would Maddie maybe have not known already but then I have to think about how their relationship got their really strong relationship and bond father-daughter bond got a later start than yeah, you know most fathers and daughters might might be you know so maybe that's part of it that um, the relationship has grown and he was finally able to share that. And I, when she said, I miss your view. And then he said, I miss her too. I, that was where I probably just started to cry or, and, but I didn't take it the same way you did Valerie. And I think either way, it's obviously fine, but I felt like she was kind of, maybe she was talking about more than the view, but I feel like he really heard her say the words. Um, I think, 
how am I going to say this? His, he was so entranced in those memories of Eleanor and, and that it, I think she could have said anything. Uh, and, yeah. and that's what he was going to say. Like he heard her say, I missed something. And I think yeah. he wasn't even really maybe engaged with exactly what mm-hmm. she said. And he's like, yeah, because, you know, he was just so laser focused in his memory sitting there. And part of me wonders if he really even knows what she said she missed. Mm-hmm. He just knows that he misses her too, you know, speaking of Eleanor. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know, but I like, I like the way you described it, Valerie, too. So wh- which way did yeah, you did, with that, Mike? I saw it the same way you did, Tracy, that he was so entranced into the memory that when that you know, he could have said, I miss squirrels and he would have said, <laughs> I too. you yeah. know, so yeah. it's like, uh, cause obviously for him, for Harry Bosch in, in in general the character to open up like that is you know you don't see it very often and yeah. uh, going back to the scene when he's talking about the being down in the tunnels his mannerisms titus you know doing the man- mm-hmm. like big shootout. out you know he has his hands up like he's mm-hmm. in a shootout and then when he's talking about talking to himself is this where i buy it is this it you know it's just mm-hmm. the, the facial expressions the mannerisms He's immersed and in the story. He's immersed back immersed in that in event. story. Yeah. And the one thing I did miss, because I, I, you kind of, you, you get the, the feeling from the book, the actual real book, the Black Echo, where he's, where he's thinking those thoughts. Is this where I, is this where I die? Mm-hmm. You know. And there was a part in the book that I, that always stuck out. I wish they had written it into this scene where he talks about, you know, wanting to wrap himself in the water from the sewer just to kind of stay, not really stay warm, but kind of embrace the, his death mm-hmm. type of thing. Maybe that would have been a little bit too much, too dark mm-hmm. for the scene. But I always remember that, you know, that he wanted to wrap himself up in the water and just kind of yeah, go, no, that, yeah. go through, yeah. go along. So that's interesting. Yeah, I could see in the book him recalling the story going there, but maybe, you know, when telling the story to Maddie, he wasn't going to include all those yep. details but, but it was yeah. like i said the mannerisms that titus has mm-hmm. during the scene it's just i mean I, I watched it back a few times and it's like there's not a bad moment in that scene with how he yeah. tells the well, that's what I'm saying. Story. it's just so so natural like i said the, the the timing of it and the nuance and the pauses it's just mm-hmm. i could have been you know a relative telling me a story you know just so i mean but we know they're good at that <laughs> it still just impresses me it still impresses me every time the writing and the acting and you can picture it too as if it was happening you know to you as he's describing it yeah yeah that is true yeah you kind of put yourself in that moment Um, i mean you were really listening weren't you not just because you want to know what happened to the story you were i mean i would imagine both of you were really engaged in his story and yeah absolutely yeah because you didn't you haven't really gotten that in the past you've I know this is foreshadowing the uh, like an end to the show, but the only time you really saw him opening up like this was with Edgar mm-hmm. talking about how he removed the tattoo hold fast from his hands. Mm-hmm. He hasn't really opened up to Maddie like he did to Edgar back in season three like that. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a correlation for me as like a throwback, not really throwback scene, but like how close you can feel with the character. You know, mm-hmm. you haven't seen that much at all other than, you know, and like I said, <laughs> incredible, incredible acting by Titus yeah. in these scenes. It was awesome. It was awesome. So moving, so moving. All the feels, all of it. 
and then and then we later that night he goes just kind of on the side of the road and is waiting for someone to come and it's j edgar and he's picking up the original copy of the last will and testament and edgar says that he'll put it in one of his uh in the evidence with one of his cases and that it will be safe and it obviously highlights how much harry trusts edgar but i, I told tom in our interview that this part and I, I don't know that they it sounded listen to the interview but I, I don't think that they necessarily planned it this way but the, it was perfect timing for me to see Jay Edgar after that really emotional conversation with Maddie I was just feeling all this emotion and it was like seeing Edgar just felt like a, a big warm hug you know just mm-hmm. he's just you yeah. love him so much and you kind of feel like it might have even been nice you know obviously it served a purpose he's picking up the, the the will but I just think the timing of it was good for Harry too to see a friend yep. in that moment it just felt right it just felt really right and it, I, I wish it was a longer scene I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's it like it just Jay Edgar I know. <laughs> I know. But and I, I did. I longed for more too. But at the same time, it kind of was just the right amount of time, you know? Yeah. The way that, yeah. you know, Harry's personality is. Well, didn't somebody say like the cameos from previous like uh, characters, they're, they're not going to be forced, you know, at some points right. you don't even, you're not even realize it's going to, you know, it's going to pop up. So when I saw the Cadillac pull up, I'm like, who do I remember <laughs> driving a Cadillac? I'm like, oh, duh. Yeah, Edgar. Yeah. <laughs> Orange Still tea. looking sharp in his oh, suit. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, he has like this, uh, you know, like beard going too. Like, yeah. you know, it's like a, a five day shadow maybe for oh, Jay Edgar. Yeah. Where, okay. you know, he's like okay. clean shaven. But yeah. it was probably also the, the, not just the character, but maybe the actor himself, Jamie Hector probably, you know, has other projects. I know he was in the, was We, we Own This City. Yeah. yeah. And wasn't <laughs> it just nice to see Edgar doing well? You know, he's been through yeah. a lot and just to, he he seemed like he was in a good place. And I, I really like seeing that, too. Yeah, well, that's what I love about Michael Conley saying years, years back that he was trying to fix his mistakes with mm-hmm. writing the yeah. character of, uh, yeah. of Edgar because. Mm-hmm. You know, J. Edgar never made RHD. In fact, years later, it turns out that he retired, but then and he was in a... Oh, yeah, I know. He was basically working as a, as a drug enforcement agency, basically, for the pill mills. You know, that's oh. how he fit into the two kinds of truth novels. So mm. so I, I love the fact that they've they, they've gotten him back, that, that they got him to RHD, so his uh-huh. story can carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing what he loves to do. Yeah, it's his calling, and that's why... He couldn't mm-hmm. make it with Latanya. I mean, yep. as much I, they love each other. I, I'm yeah. convinced, absolutely, and they are family. But yep. they that was that was the they couldn't work, and because he couldn't give it up, it was his calling. So yeah, well, a great episode. So we've talked, we've shared some questions. Are there more questions you want to raise? before we talk about a person of interest in this half. Yeah, actual questions, not trivia, right? So Yeah, actual questions. We'll save trivia. Yeah, we'll save trivia for the very final bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did write down a question. It's one more kind of for us, but also it's, it's for... I really would love to ask Titus because I don't know if he's ever been asked this before in any interview. With those two scenes in the, this episode alone, the Jeep scene when he's talking to Maddie and Maddie at, in his office... Mm-hmm. I mean, you see how great of an actor he is. We, we all know Bosch has been overlooked by not only the Emmys, but also Golden Globes. I mean, it's won some awards, but not through the Emmys or Golden Globes. 
So my question was, is, and it could be for everybody, you know, does Titus do this acting for accolades or do you think he actually does it for the art itself? Oh, definitely just for the art itself. Yeah. He loves yeah. it, right? He's an I artist mean, in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. We, we've heard in, in interviews where he talked about when he got into acting, when he was trying to choose between painting and acting and his father asked him, you know, when you when you lie in bed at night or when you first thing you wake up in the morning what do you think of do you think of painting or acting and he said acting and I mean I don't know too much about art I have seen his paintings and I do love them but man if he was to ever say I'm giving up acting and I'm just gonna paint full time I would be like sobbing <laughs> yeah. for days weeks <laughs> I, I definitely agree with your answer that it is the art now don't get me wrong I don't think he I don't think he's like against awards you know he's not going to yeah, yeah. be like no don't give yeah, it to me just, no. don't, don't, don't give me that Emmy <laughs> but, but I'm not trying to portray is I, I know I, I know he's not in it for the accolades maybe I yeah. should have phrased it slightly different do you think he believe uh, I'm not trying to portray him as like an egomaniac no no I, I, know, I, I know where you're going I know where you're going Great guy, but it's like, do you think he would appreciate, obviously, I think every actor would, but so I'm kind of probably phrasing the question wrong, but I don't, I don't think you know. it means as much to him. I think he would True. appreciate any actor, but I don't think it, it has the meaning. It, it doesn't affect his choices. I don't think in what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. I think if you were to ask Titus, would you rather have an Emmy or a life-size statue of the silver server? <laughs> he yeah. would rather have the sil silver surfer yeah. Yeah. than the Emmy. <laughs> I agree. Well, come on, combine, agree. combine the two. How about an Emmy riding on a silver surfer surfboard? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. Somebody go make it. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, me. there you go. And to your point, too, Valerie, he knows what he likes, he knows what's important to him. You know, yeah. and like, mm -hmm. you, all joking aside, you know, he loves his, his comics and, you know, the MCU and all that stuff, you know, so he. And he clearly seems to know he likes acting and, and does a great job mm. at it. So, but it's a, it's a good question to, to think about, you know, because it probably wouldn't be the same answer for everyone. It's different strokes for different folks. People, you know. Absolutely. Are... <laughs> when I was writing that question, I, I knew it was, it's more for the art art for him you know it's more for the what he puts on the on the screen rather than what's in his display case at home you know so mm -hmm. yeah yeah at the same time it's like i just wanted to post that question just to see mm -hmm. you know <laughs> yeah sure that's no, a fun question all right well let's move on to our person of interest and then we'll hit up some trivia and a special trivia announcement from mike who wants to go first valerie you want to go first i'll pick i'll pick honey it's putting aside the Carl Rogers saga now it's mm -hmm. she's moving on in a way well at least in in this episode she's moving on she's back on the Hirsch, Hirschstadt mm -hmm. the yeah. the um Dr. Basu's case, murder Dr. Basu's murder case and she wants to move on mm -hmm. okay well I'm gonna say it before Mike might steal it <laughs> 
I, I got to go with Harry on this one. I mean, those, those scenes, it just blew me away. I mean, you know, you, like we always say in the podcast, you could pick Harry or something every time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could, but this time I am going to pick Harry. He just knocked it out of the park. Yeah, absolutely. He, he did an amazing job. I'm going to go off kilter a little bit because it was one part that I think we kind of skipped over. And I say we, because mm-hmm. we're all a part of this, uh, was uh, the, uh, the, we had a few cameos. We had Mankiewicz, Edgar. Mm-hmm. We also had Gary Potter. Yeah, big dog. He told Harry that it's inconclusive on the autopsy for Vance. Yeah. So that kind of gets Harry, you know, thinking that it was not accidental or not natural causes for the Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, Potter. That's that's good. That's a good choice. I like it. Thanks for bringing it. Actually, yeah, we we did skip over that Mm -hmm. little bit because, you know, they, they did point out that if he hadn't been a, billionaire gazillionaire mm-hmm. they would have just thought well he's 88 and he had health issues so right. yep. you know <laughs> wouldn't yeah. have bothered with an autopsy and and that tells us with, with we know the story's not over there for sure yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> all right well um I, i'm just gonna throw a trivia out just because i forgot to <clears throat> mention so what kind of will did honey say that that will was it was a special Ooh, type of holo- holographic yes holographic, holographic will. Yep. yeah when she said that i was like well oh, does it change picture as you yeah, look that's at what it? i was thinking like holograms <laughs> the color change you know so that that was uh that was educational for me i didn't i wasn't aware of that valerie right. any trivia question for me <laughs> oh, okay when Rico said with the times for qualifying, what was the qualifying time for men? For, for, for yeah, for men. Oh, I knew I could have. <laughs> I knew I should have written those down. But I think for the men, it was like forty-seven minutes and it's like, close. I'll just throw forty-seven thirty-five. It it was forty-five fifty-five, and for the women was fifty-six thirty-one. I think. Oh, good job. Keeping up with those. Nice. And if I'm not mistaken, Maddie hit about 58 minutes. She went a couple minutes over. Yeah, she was just over, yeah. Because I was tempted on writing down what Maddie's finish time was. (laughs) Or uh, so but I I didn't want to I didn't want to be all Pete's on everybody. Um, the, The alternate. One of five alternates, but I don't yeah. think she's going to go for it. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, so my <laughs> trivia question. I'm glad I brought up the person of interest scene. Where did Bosch meet up with Potts? Oh. It was a little eatery in like a strip mall parking lot type of thing. Were they having hot dogs or tacos? I, I think it was some kind of taco or burrito. Yeah. Oh, but I don't remember the name. Like El Ranchero or something or El Ron- something Rancho. I don't know. Obviously, I don't know. So <laughs> I'm not just saying that. I don't know. <laughs> but I did think it was some type of burrito or something and some type of. Valerie, any guesses? No idea. But no. El, El Rancho sounded familiar. <laughs> but that's probably because there was a pub in near where I live that used to be called El Rancho that we used to go to. <laughs> it did look like a Mexican place, so it was called Hollywood Cactus. Holy wow, was way off. Way off. Because it's like I paused and I'm like, there's there. So you got the sign there, but I was trying to remember, I was trying to remember the scene when I was watching. I'm like, is it, was it just a little 
like it kind of almost looks like a taco truck parked in a parking lot almost yeah, yeah. Or like a pop-up or something yeah like a little pop-up but yeah. so they, they were eating out uh, next to a hollywood cactus and it did look like it was uh, some kind of mexican food there mm-hmm. so okay well mike has something really cool to share about i guess a trivia contest so Mike, go ahead. Yes, for my trivia contest, I was able to get some uh, Bosch hats from one of the assistants of Henrik Baston. So anybody who's listening to this podcast, I'm hoping that even if it's outside of the U.S. and Canada, I can still ship you a Bosch legacy hat. I want to know what were the seven digit, what's the seven digit number of the tracking number that was associated with the shipping container for Rogers to vacate the U.S. So whoever emails boshtvtrivia at gmail.com. That's boshtvtrivia at gmail.com. Yes. First correct answer emailed to that account will be sent a Bosch legacy hat. Obviously you will have to supply me with your address, but don't worry. I won't supply that to anybody else at all. So (laughs) Well, that is very cool, very nice, and I can't wait to see who responds first. Very, very nice. Well, thank you guys for uh, co-hosting with me today. You're such great fans and have so much passion for the show. It really makes it fun, and I think that's it for us tonight, but please stay tuned for the interview with Tom Bernardo, who co-wrote the episode. I think you will really enjoy that, and he has some great insights. So that's it for us tonight. See ya. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. have Tom Bernardo here with us today for an interview. He is the uh, one of the developers, executive producers, and writers on Bosch Legacy. Did I leave anything out, Tom? No, you got it all. Thank you, okay. Trey. All right. He's, he's got, he wears a lot of hats and has a lot of responsibility. But there's kind of this elephant in the room, so I'm just going to start out. Question number one. Tell the truth. Episode six. Do you like making people cry? <laughs> But for real, no, people, they just can't stop talking about how moved they were by the episode and anxious to hear your thoughts about that writing. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. Eric and I were fortunate. We, we wrote that episode. And in terms of the, the story at that point in the season, a number of kind of threads were either coming to their culmination, you know, mm-hmm. with Rogers, or there was this pivot and there was a, a new storyline with respect to, to Maddie and one of her classmates getting shot. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of all came together and we were fortunate that it landed in that episode. Okay. And as we were breaking the story throughout the season and things kind of trending or trending to that spot, yeah. um, I, st- I started to feel like what it was going <laughs> to, what it was going to feel like, you know, and mm-hmm. if you're not, if you're not feeling it and putting it on the page, then that's, you know, it's, it's not going to translate down. You, you want to, if, if you feel it, people are going to feel it too. And that right. goes from Titus and Madison Mm-hmm. Their performance and then of course when they make that a reality uh and the director is doing his job uh which Sherrod did he completely crushed this episode he was great then mm-hmm. you then you hope it really connects with the audience and that's sure. that's the best feeling in the world is when you hear that people were moved by it so oh, it's very yeah. gratifying to hear thanks for saying that oh absolutely I mean it's just all over Facebook Twitter just I mean about the the the, the series in general just how pleased everyone is for sure but things just kind of blew up when people got to that episode. 
on Friday. So yeah, they, they want great. Emmys, they want it all. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so from your lips to God's ears. There you kidding. go. There you go. Well, in regard to a couple of those scenes too, I'm just curious from a writer's perspective, like how do you decide when to shift a character quickly out of their emotion into something else? For instance, when Harry's in the car and he's heard about the, the shooting, he talks to Maddie, he had, he recalls telling her about Eleanor, all that, you know, he's, he's, he, you know, we see him tear up, but then he sees someone, the, the guy's following him again and he's mad. He immediately like just sort of jumps out from that emotion into anger and dealing with that versus when they're in Harry's office, Maddie and Harry, and he's telling the story you know, from the black echo and that, that just, a line at the end, amazing, where she says, you know, I miss your view. And he says, I miss her too. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> we, we, we sit with that, you know, a little bit more. He doesn't just get a phone call or something that interrupts him. Is there, how do you pick and choose what kind of response you have after someone has a, a real emotion? That's a great question. And I hope this doesn't sound too abstract, but it's really, it's just a, a feel for it. Okay. Okay. You know, you, what you imagine yourself in the scene as much as you can and you're in that character's head and in their heart and in their mind. And I mean, you're, you're as an, and you're also as a writer trying to process what does the audience know now? Cause uh-huh. in some sense they're ahead of Bosch in the moment, say outside the bank where right. they know Paulina got shot. Uh-huh. So the idea of Maddie not being in danger is off the board for them. So you're trying to get them right. to invest in an emotional moment, not an informational moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're that's how great Titus is too, is you write this scene because you know you want it to come from the perspective of a father and not yeah. just any father, but Harry Bosch and his daughter and his fears about her being out in the streets of LA as a, as a cop. So you're writing it from that perspective and you're with him every moment that he hears that news and he picks up the phone. And I can't tell you why, but it was just sort of this feeling I had that his mind was going to go to that moment he told her about Eleanor. And I was happy that that worked because you're never sure if that little flashback is going to work or that the audience, you always think the audience will get it. So there was a little bit of question internally, like, are they going to get it? And I was like, I I trust the audience. And if I'm feeling they're going to feel this too. So that's all the way of saying you feel that and you get off the phone and you, you write one line. And it's basically like, it was something along the lines of like crushing relief for Bosch. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you have a, an actor of Titus's caliber who makes that emotion real and yeah. true. And if you feel that, <laughs> that means he's doing his job, right? Definitely. He, he made that real. That's mm-hmm. not, that is a real truthful, honest, emotional moment. Um, so you sit for that in a moment. And I can't tell you why it just feels like, okay, that right now has come to its sort of close in terms of okay. its emotional close. Now, what does he do? Now it's, it pivots. He has a certain amount of emotion that's now fueling his anger with these guys at Trident who have been on their, their, his tail. And as far as the other moment at that point in the episode, again, it's a feel thing. You feel like the drama is now on its sort of it's in its falling sense. Uh (laughs) It's like a, it's like the inhalation of breath 
and then it comes out yeah. or like a song, you know, it has its own movements and there's a time when you just sit in that moment mm -hmm. and that's Perfect. what it was. It was going to be this very sort of intimate disclosure of something that she didn't quite know about. She knew he right. got shot. She knew he was reluctant to talk about it, but then here comes the hammer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was yeah. about Eleanor. So that was another thing that came up in the writer's room. And it was another thing I was like, this is going to work. Like, this is the moment that, that, we can bring this part back from the black echo that I remember reading years ago. And in, 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 in so providential is like, this is the 30th anniversary of that book. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so for, wow. I, trust me, we weren't thinking, but it all sort of came together where yeah. it's he, here it is. And we can get this story out and, and Madison, I'm, I was on set that day with Madison and, and Titus and they blew everyone's mind in that moment. Even the crew, and these are people who've been working on hundreds of shows over the years yeah. who are just yeah. doing their job, felt that exchange between them throughout all those different takes. Yeah. So I hope that answers your question, but it just felt like this is a moment you want to sit in and add nothing to until you transition mm -hmm. to seeing Money Chandler in her own reflective moment back at her house. And then we go out with Bosch and Edgar. So it's okay. a feel thing. Okay. Interesting. It makes sense. I mean, there's very technical aspects of writing and then there's just the feeling. So that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. And I can't exactly. imagine anyone not feeling <laughs> at those moments. I'd have to check their pulse or something. I'm like, come <laughs> on, this is, you know, it was just oh, so, that's so well done. Thank you. Um, very. It's very generous of you to say, thank you. You're welcome. I'm curious, was the, the scene that followed up not too long after with Jay Edgar, was that sort of planned as a comfort to the fans who were so sad with Harry? Or did it just work out that way? It worked out that way, but I'm glad to hear you say it was a comfort. I, I've never thought of it that way. That's actually very nice. We knew that, that there's a part in the book, if, for those of you who read the book, who, mm -hmm. who will remember, in order to secure the original will, Bosch, right. who's, who's working, for, I think, for San Fernando Valley Police Department at the time, that, yeah. so he's still in law enforcement, so he can check it into the evidence room and secure it yeah. as best he can. Mm -hmm. He obviously our Bosch and the TV universe is in a different place. He's not in law enforcement, but I remember in the room thinking, well, who in law enforcement would he absolutely trust? Right. And I was like, so over the moon. Cause I'm like, it's the sixth <laughs> episode. We're bringing Jay Edgar back. <laughs> like everybody, trust me. If, if people in the audience miss Jay Edgar, we miss him in the writer's room yeah. too. We, uh, and we love Jamie. Jamie is a genuinely great human being. So we love working with him, but it felt it wasn't just like fan service because, you know, we, we try to resist that. We want it to be in service to the story. Sure, so it sure. felt like the right moment. But I love what you just said. I hadn't thought about it in terms of seeing that familiar face. There's a certain brotherhood between the two of them. Yeah. It's almost like a. it's kind of has a melancholy feel to it, which right. feels right to me. But it is these two people meeting up under the cover of night. And it's a form of comfort, too. That's yeah. a really that's a good insight. Yeah. I mean, it's clear what the you know, the technical purpose of it is that you know, he's someone he trusts that can, you know, secure the file. So, you know, it made perfect sense, but it also just felt like you said, you can't really say good because you are still sad, but it just, it, I think it was helpful. Yeah. To the, to the oh, fans. To the viewers to see him. Thank you. Well, shifting gears to a completely different character. How did you all conceive of Mo and will his character have more development and screen time in season two? Uh, in answer to the second question, for sure, <laughs> uh, because Stephen was was terrific. And that was a sort of a, how can I put this? You don't know how the new characters are going to function. 
right with the audience because you know they have seven seasons of relationships that they invest in and that they come back to see and then suddenly that world is no more and there's this new world so you try to be careful about who you're bringing on the scene and why you're bringing them on and you know it all started from a very simple position of well Bosch is going to need someone on just the technical side of things Mm -hmm. because he's he doesn't have the resources of the LAPD anymore. So even his, the kind of databases that he could legitimately look up, mm-hmm. uh, the kinds of uh, sort of resources you want out in the field in terms of reliable, dependable people, he's going to need somebody. It's not quite a partner because Moe is his own person, but it sort of functions in that way too. So it started from that sort of question. Then we had um, one of our sort of advisors on legacy is this guy named uh, Greg Kading, who's a former uh, homicide detective in LAPD and was a partner of Tim Marsh's for a while while they were okay. both in RHD. Mm-hmm. And Greg has gone out and become a, a private eye. And uh, in, in talking to him, he kept mentioning this guy named Muhammad, okay. who was like sort of another private eye he would work with, who was a very interesting person in his own right, but who was to Greg, what Mo is to Bosch in terms of being much more techno- okay. technologically savvy. So that coupled with, we need another guy. So we started thinking of what's our version of Muhammad. And we came up with Maurice, Mo, mm-hmm. and he's very different than the Muhammad, who's a great guy in real life. But we just started playing with this idea. And then when Steve and I, we have to say, we had very embryonic ideas of who Mo was as a character. But when Steven auditioned for the part, mm-hmm he brought something to it in terms of his energy and his style that actually helped us say, that's the character. There's something about this guy's interpretation, this Uh character that we're going to go with. So you just think, God, like this guy came in and he brought something in terms of himself that helped us bring the character to fruition. So we, we were very blessed and he's, he's great. And the energy between him and Titus really worked. So we're mm-hmm. excited that people have, have responded as well as they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it, it just works. It was one of the things that just stood out to me right away. And I think it was great that we didn't see too much of him because you are coming on with your older characters that, you know, and it's almost like a, not a loyalty thing, but like you could, it could be easy to be like, well, who's this new guy all of a sudden, you know, but yeah. he was in there just enough that he grew on you, you know, very quickly, but yeah. you wanted more. I think it's, I think it's better to want more than to feel like he's in here too much, you know? Yeah. But, that's well, but that's yeah, well, I, I think we're ready for more though. Yeah. More mo. <laughs> yeah. More mo. Okay. Curious. What is it like writing an episode with Eric Overmeyer? Like what happens when you don't agree on something in the script? <laughs> I think by the time we go to script, we we agree. That's a good question because my very first script on Bosch was when I was a staff writer. So it was basically mm-hmm. my rookie season mm-hmm. and it was with Eric. Uh, it was the second episode of season two. So I'll never forget it. And, you know, I've been learning under him ever since. I mean, he is a seasoned pro. He's been around. Yeah. He's a great writer with a very great sensibility. So I've learned so much from him. I would say by this point, we've written several scripts together. It's it's very easy. You know, the writing is never easy. Writing is hard, but the collaboration is easy. And by the time we got to six, I have to say, I knew we had something on our hands that that could be potentially 
special mm-hmm. and putting it together in the room and then outlining it and pressing on those ideas back and forth with Eric and making sure that we were getting the best out of every moment. So by the time, I hate to say this phrase cause it, we joke about it all the time. Like it writes itself. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Write itself. It definitely <laughs> doesn't write itself. But by the time we got to the script, it, we had done so much work and it was the fruit of a lot of different collaboration that it was kind of, it unfolded very nicely. And I, and I love writing with him. He always makes things better. That's awesome. Well, and all this discussion of episode six is not to take away from episode two that you wrote that, I mean, they're, they're all, they're all great. Everyone's enjoying the, the series so much, but that was particularly fun seeing some development some additional development with Maddie when she had to find Sneezy, you know, she had to kind of pull out her own bags, bag of tricks, you know, and that was interesting okay. to watch her work that yeah. way and so forth. And then of course, in two were introduced to the Ivanovich brothers. So that, uh, that was pretty intimidating for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely just a great job on, on both of those episodes. Thank you. Writing. Thank you. Glad you enjoyed it. The decision to red tag Harry's house. Now, you know, readers know that that happened early on in the book series was that kind of convenient to make a big shift, like location-wise, to like emphasize his new job, his new point of view, and have him a reason to move into his office? Or another thing I thought about is there was this sort of recurring theme in the season about, do you take what's easiest right now, or do you take a longer approach? Like, for instance, like, could you take the money now? But if he get more, if he puts a little work into it and wait, it takes a little more risk, he could get more. Do you go for that longer payoff? And I also saw that in Russell Barnes, you know, he has the opportunity to pursue a trial and potentially get even more, but also to change the system, you know, to, to try to make a change. But in his situation and what he's been through, it was right for him to take the settlement. Yeah. So I saw that in, you know, a few different places. I felt like it was a little bit of a recurring theme throughout the season. I don't know if I just made that up in my mind, but anyways, I, I thought that I wanted to know if that had anything to do with the, the red tagging situation too. I hope that made sense. <laughs> it, it very much made sense. And it's a very good insight. I, I can't say we were conscious of it. And sometimes when an astute viewer like yourself highlights something like that, I, I love to hear it because Oftentimes with creativity, you don't want to think too much. You want to go off of, obviously there's your craft, right? Mm -hmm. But you want to go off of instinct and be free and take, go where your story instincts and intuitions take you Mm -hmm. all the way of saying, I guess now that you unpack it like that, it's, it's almost obvious. I didn't see it until you said it. There is a certain, and I'm sure there are other instances throughout the season Mm -hmm. of that, of that theme. And uh, again, we weren't, conscious of it but we were probably feeling it on some level Mm -hmm. it allows me to segue into why we sort of did what we did with the house which yes there was a certain production element to it Mm -hmm. but it was also we i remember talking about this in the very early going with michael and eric we had these creative brain brainstorms like sessions figuring out what storylines we're going to do and what is this show what is this show going to look like and and one of the things we, we kept going back and forth on is like, do we do we get them out of the house? Mm-hmm. And it was more like, this is such a, a visual and emotional touchstone for the character and for the audience. Do we want to do something that shakes shakes it up? Right. Not just for the sake of doing something different, but in service to this new world that mm-hmm. things are being shaken up and, and, mm-hmm. and not to make it too literal, there was an earthquake here. <laughs> yeah. And it threw him out of his house and there, and, and it 
it was it was sort of intended to sort of be like this keynote that is that is struck in the very early going that signals to the audience we're trying to do something slightly different here yeah. and something yeah. new and mm-hmm. taking him out of the house was part of that and we missed it because trust me we love those moments up there and we might be seeing more of the house come season two that we're working on right now, but it felt right to do that for season one and to yeah. put him in this place where he kept telling people, I'll be back. I'll be back. It'll be yeah. soon, but it's not as easy. Right. Right. Okay. Well, it was, it was, it worked really well to, to help shift that focus over to the, the PI office and sort of his new life right now. But I, another instance that I thought of that sort of what I felt like it was a recurring theme is towards the end of the season when um, is a detective Morrison that's working on the, that gives the recording. Yeah. You know, he tells honey that, yeah, I'm giving you this, but make sure you, you know, don't just try to win, but make change. So again, I felt like there was that theme of you just take the win and you know, now what's easiest and what definitely will work or do you push harder and, you know, take more time to get something additional. That's great. Yeah, that's great. And as you say it, it makes me think, we're un- it was unconscious, but it, it sort of is consistent with what we were doing with the show, which is change is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to execute change and to accept it. So what is the easy thing to do sometimes? Everybody's circumstances are different in terms of the story incidents you just broke, brought up. But in terms of trying to break this show and trying to figure out what it is, the easy thing is to fall back on the familiar. The hard thing is to say, what is this show in its new iteration? That it feels like it has the DNA of what we just did for 68 episodes. So it has that feel of a continuation, but is its, is, is it its own thing and justifies its own existence on its own terms. Sure, so. sure. Very good, very good. Well, you've mentioned season two a couple of times. I've mentioned it. Can you tease anything about it? Should we expect any more storylines from the Bosch original series? potentially to still come in or are we kind of moving forward from this point in time so you've seen the end of the the season oh yeah yeah <laughs> you <laughs> i'm hoping you resolve that pretty quickly we're gonna resolve that <laughs> that um that storyline that we end season one on early on in the season the, uh, the audience will see it um how, how we handle that and then yes we do we start new new stuff uh, uh the plan is to to cover the book the crossing which oh, okay. is terrific uh, uh, book in, in the Bosch series. Mm-hmm. And that has lent itself really well so far as we build the season to, to like a season long storyline. And there's new stuff as well, you know, okay. Okay. last year we, you know, the Rogers storyline was an invention. It wasn't, it was something mm-hmm. that we sort of picked on. It was like this little detail from season seven that kind of grew into this whole sure. other thing. So yeah. we have examples of that this year too. Uh, with with Chandler and and with Maddie as they okay. see what, what is life after the events of season one. Okay, 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 interesting. Now, what are the chances of us seeing Agent Needy again? Is he retired <laughs> or is he going to resurface? <laughs> Will Agent Needy ride again? Yes, <laughs> such I have no idea, but that I'm sure that's a pressing question on every fan's <laughs> mind. It's pretty important. <laughs> Fingers crossed. We never know. It's, it's always fun to watch for. I, I can definitely tell you uh, that. Thank you. So we know that you're, well, I don't know. We Folks don't really seem to be able to find you on social media, which is fine. So we're assuming that you don't really do that. But, you know, fans love to give feedback, you know, through social media. Yeah. How do you get your feedback on the show? 
What's yeah, the I'm best not source for you? Social media, uh, but I, I, a lot of our, like Asokway, a lot of our writers mm-hmm. are, are very sort of plugged in and engaged yeah. with yeah. social media, which is which is great for, for them in the show. So I, I tend to get feedback from them, which is okay. terrific. Uh, Asokway has been very generous and and um, sending me actually like screen grabs from Twitter and stuff of mm-hmm. people's reaction to, to episode six, which yeah. has been very gratifying to read. Otherwise I wouldn't have known about it because I'm not on Twitter, I'm not on Instagram yeah. or anything like that. So it's been, it's been very nice to get feedback from our, like my fellow writers. Okay, good. You have your sources, so. I have my sources, <laughs> good, that's a good. good way of putting it, yeah. Good to know. <laughs> Is there anything that you're particularly proud of with the, with the new show, with the spinoff, now that it's out there for the world? That's a good question. I'm proud of the whole thing now that I've had some distance from it because it was it was challenging. I think one of the things that I'm hearing from um, some fans and from even from people who reviewed the show is that mm-hmm. it feels like another season of Bosch. And I'm one. I take mm-hmm. that sort of as a compliment in some in many respects because to them it feels like a continuation. And of course, Bosch is at this. You know, he's the the lead character in the old world, and he's one mm-hmm. of our principles in the new one so it's yeah. going to feel like the next chapter of the book but i can assure i can assure everyone uh it wasn't that easy in the writer's room it was okay. yeah. it was uh, a big big challenge to figure out it was I, and I was on all seven seasons of bosch and i can tell you this was a completely different animal you know okay uh, we had to figure out what is the story world uh, mm-hmm. no didn't have the story container of the lapd and more specifically of the homicide detective working a murder that you could go back to for seven seasons and everything yeah. kind of flowed out of a case and flowed out of the, the departmental politics and stuff. Yeah. Suddenly you don't have that anymore. You have right. as a private eye, he's got to brush up against different forces. Now you have Maddie as, you know, a, a, a patrol cop mm-hmm. and that's a very different experience in the LAPD than a seasoned homicide detective would have mm-hmm. So she intersect with different people. And then you have money Chandler who was, as great as Mimi was, she was, uh, and we featured her more and more as the seasons progressed. That was a minor character in the old world. Suddenly yeah. you, you're committed to telling story from her perspective and yeah. she's driving more of it. She's her own independent character. So that's all a way of saying that it was very hard to build a world suddenly with just, just those three people. And then by the way, they don't intersect or, you know, naturally given the right, past. right. Right. To bring together in organic ways dramatically yes. to make this all sort of function. So that was really, really hard. So when, when it was all said and done, when we finished filming, we had all 10 episodes, I felt what I was proud of was we, we got through it <laughs> and that I feel like this story-wise, this justifies its own existence. And, and, and I think we might've pulled this off. Yeah. You know, yeah. I wasn't sure until I was anxious about fans getting it and whether or mm-hmm. not they would embrace it. Um, sometimes they, you know, people might not want like something because it's not this other thing, mm-hmm. but I was hopeful that they would be able to experience it on its own terms right. either or not like it on its own terms, but mm-hmm. not because it's just not this other thing. Right. So I was really proud that I felt that we made something that stands on its own. Well, you should, you should be proud. Definitely. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to close out with something silly. I usually like to do that so that you can't mess this up. It's kind of, it's a little bizarre (laughs) this year, (laughs) but um, just uh, hang with me. So I'm going to give you a few categories. And so you give me a name or a word. 
So first, any villain or criminal from Bosch or Bosch Legacy. It just give you a name or someone I like or? And just your choice. Oh. There's no reasoning behind it. Just one you want to pull out. Uh, you know, it's fresh on the mind, so I'll go with Carl Rogers. Carl Rogers. Okay. Choose one, crate or barrel. <laughs> oh, That's yeah. hard, I know. Crate. Okay. Yes. It's hard. A body part. <laughs> <laughs> the heart. <laughs> heart. Whoa. Um, a gadget that a writer would have on their desk. A bottle of whiskey? No. Um, well, your laptop. <laughs> laptop. Okay. All right. Approximate hours spent writing an episode. I know it's across the map, just a number. Oh gosh. I can't even tell you. I can't tell you. It's so many because you go through so many drafts. Yeah. Uh, How about a something plus like a minimum? Oh, it's definitely hundreds of hours. Hundreds. Okay. Yeah. Learn. That works. That works. Yeah, by the time it's all said and done. Absolutely. Okay. A beverage. Coffee. Okay. can't live and with that a hollywood eatery doesn't have to be your favorite just you know again anything there's one that comes to mind uh usteria moza m-o-z-z-a usteria moza okay. yeah got it i got it all right a g-rated exclamation <laughs> golly <laughs> golly <laughs> and then choose one i know this is hard to harry honey or maddie oh what am I choosing them for? Just yeah, I can't tell you. I can't, <laughs> but you can't uh -huh. be wrong. You cannot be wrong. It's, it doesn't show any partiality. Oh my god, I love them all in their own way. I mean, I guess you, you got to go for the reason for the season, right? So it's Harry Bosch. Okay, Harry Bosch. Oh, I forgot one category. Well, the choices were Beansy, Sneezy, or Teddy Hobbs. <laughs> Beansy. Wow. Gosh. <laughs> That's great. Let's go with Beansy. Okay. Okay. Let's go with Beansy. Okay. So you just gave some of the details in a little story synopsis. So I'm going to read you the story. And then I want you to tell us how you would pitch this little story as a, a plot line for season two. You're not going to want to, believe me, but just how would you go about it? Great. So. Maybe this will give me an idea. Trust <laughs> me. I'll steal from anybody. Okay. It was not your usual crime. Carl Rogers hit crate on, in the heart with a laptop. <laughs> he, he sustained hundreds of, in, of injuries. Unbeknownst to crate, Beansy was an eyewitness to the whole thing. Crate went to Oysteria Moza for a coffee to think about who he would call for help. Golly, I know who I will call the infamous Harry Bosch. <laughs> I don't think I can improve upon that pitch. That's terrific. That's your story. That's great. That's fun. That's a that's a nice uh, spin on uh, the the coffee question from last. Oh, okay, from last year. Yeah, yeah. You still you still fit some coffee in there. But yeah, uh, right. yeah if, if you're ever just really in sort of you know your brain's just locked down and you just need something really creative, feel free to draw from it. You know, I, it's okay. I will. <laughs> Anything that we can bring crate and beansy back. Those are I know. I know in the same world so thank <laughs> you for that. It's, it's all good it's all good well thank you so much for your time i could pick your brain all day but you are a busy man and it just really please know how much the fans have enjoyed and their episodes so great job and thank you for your time and thank you. Uh, my pleasure it's been fun you. i was looking forward to this so thanks for everything tracy really appreciate your support for the show well, you are very welcome it's 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 a pleasure 
All right. I'll head okay. out now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.